David Pillerman wrote this episode, and this is his only TAS episode. However, he also wrote a couple of TOS episodes, uh, Dead Leaders and Piece of the Action, one of which I rather liked. So, this... Uh, this episode's boring to me. Is that just me? I don't know how many of you are watching this with me. I hope at least some of you are. I know quite a few of you watch most of Trek with me. And I imagine quite a few of you are watching the Enterprise stuff with me over on Tuesdays. But I would be surprised if any of you are watching TAS with me. Seriously, jump down in the comments right now. Just, I'm actually curious how many of you are watching this show with me. Just specifically because it's TAS and it's a little harder to get a hold of. And more importantly, it's TAS. But anyways, this episode was just, it was there. I was like, okay. Now... They had to do, they've started really to show how much budget cutting they're doing. Oh, even more than they've already been doing. Could you believe they could actually cut the budget down even further with the animation? Check this out. So they would have entire scenes where they would actually show long distance shots, like just the backdrop and maybe some silhouettes, no motion whatsoever, or just shots of the Enterprise rather than having people and lip syncing and animations to save money on things. They also start doing uh, the super close-ups a whole lot more because a super close-up also involves very little emanation. It's basically one picture with one moving part. Like, like just the, all they have to do is switch out the panel over the mouth, and that's all they have to do. So you can kind of see how how it is that they're trying to cut costs even more. And it makes sense. Not only was it starting to get expensive to make the show, but if you're paying attention, they just did three very expensive episodes in a row. And this is the Star Trek norm. You do your expensive episodes, and you do your cheap episodes, and your expensive episodes, and there's a budget balancing act, and good Trek knows how to save money for the, where it's needed and spend money where it needs to be. Almost every Trek show has this, so it doesn't surprise me to see it here. So... We find out, well, actually, real quick, uh, Mr. Is that an T. Pelterman? Pelterman? Hmm. David, the writer here, made a comment that I just wanted to, to, to share with you. And I quote word for word Animation is unsuitable for the emotional depth of Star Trek. Now, I was going to act like that's so obviously ridiculously stupid, but then I realized that there might be some of you who would think the same thing. So if you do, feel free to share. I'd like to say no judgment, but I can't say that because that would be a lie. That is very stupid to try and say that animation is something that can't convey emotional depth. We've had 30-ish years of animation being able to convey emotional depth, of, of, of complexity and nuance and wonderful storytelling. To look at something as that is animated and then therefore say that this is not good or incapable of being good by sheer virtue of it being animated... <sighs> Well, I, I can't put into words how much I can't possibly disagree with that, especially since it is so demonstrably proven false. Now, this animation certainly doesn't, because this is TAS, which is animated terribly. But that's not what the statement was. It's possible that's what he meant, which is why I'm adding this asterisk at the end of this sentence. It does once again remind me of how much I wish we could see proper animated Trek, and, well, again, I find myself wondering how good Outer Worlds... Uh, not Outer Worlds... <laughs> 
totally wrong thing. Lower Decks is an Outer Worlds cartoon show. God, that'd be horrifying. Anyways, <clears throat> so we we're going to rescue some people. And they, the people are like, oh, our people beam down, but they haven't been heard from, so we're going to beam down the rest of the crew to save them. This is also very stupid. Some of you may remember that I shredded Descent and Descent Part 2 way back in Season 6 and Season 7 of TNG. And I, and I stand by that. Those episodes are very dumb. There's actually some good elements there. And that helps to make it moderately enjoyable, but man, those scripts are just terrible. Uh, perfect example of something that I should love and that I don't. On good on paper, bad in execution. But even in that episode, where they beamed down the ridiculous majority of the crew, they at least left the skeleton crew in charge. Here, these people apparently beam everyone down. Question. Who's running their ship? Second question. How are they going to get back to their ship, assuming they successfully rescue their people? Anyways. Whatever. So, they go down... We see some cool. <laughs> we see some cool animation, really. You know, some, we see the desert, we see the swamp and the forest. That's some cool stuff. We also see the weird creatures. McCoy directly dedu correctly deduces the actions of the aliens. I don't think they ever actually named the aliens. Now that I'm thinking about it. The slug creatures. I was thinking about it. I wonder if these are the logical conclusions of what the huts are. Some of you familiar with greater Star Wars lore know that the Huts are apex predators. They are very high tier biologically, just in terms of creatures. And this is one of the reasons why in lore, and out of character, so much time and work has been spent on making sure that the Huts constantly try and fight and kill each other. Because otherwise, there's a pretty good chance they would have taken the galaxy. These folk seem to be the same vein, except it's okay. They're godlike. No, no. No, they're not godlike. They're hyper-advanced. This is the other thing. I really wonder if I was to sit down and like list every episode of TOS and TAS and like just color in every episode that has either godlike aliens or super advanced aliens, how many episodes would be left? I'm really curious because it really feels like they nail that point often. If you're paying attention, this is yet another example of the threat of the weak. We need to make sure that this enemy that has just shown up now and will never be seen again can be seen as threatening to the exceptionally well-equipped and well-advanced crew of the Enterprise. Therefore, they're magically made super advanced, super powerful, or whatever. Same concept. Even if they're ultimately not violent or not hostile, because we got to have that Trek twist, it just keeps showing up in TAS, we need to have that Trek twist... So they're not actually evil, but nevertheless, they are totally a threat of the weak. And that's one of the reasons why it's just kind of boring. It's, it, we, we get the whole thrust of what's happening within the first five minutes of the episode. Suzu, they've got us here. They're very advanced. That's the whole episode. Like, okay, so... For once, someone calls for an emergency beam-out... And they respond within seconds. I'm not even making fun. I'm, I'm actually impressed by that. Scotty was ready to go on that. And then Scotty is picked up by the kid and carried to the bridge. And what ensues is a bit of dialogue that obviously needed a, a second pass. Because what happens is Scotty says, everyone out. The person then immediately says, what do you want us to do? Because apparently listening is not a skill Morass is very skilled in. Sure. So... Then Shatner Shatners it up a bit as he's being mentally destroyed. I don't have anything to add to that. And then Scotty 
is just magically amazing off-camera. And again, I'm not even mad. He apparently manages to negotiate with this kid, communicate with him the nature of who and what they are and the nature of the Federation and their species and their timeline and, and negotiate a peace and figure out how to get the ship working and then get the ship back and then get them beamed down. All off-camera. That's actually really impressive, Scotty. That's, that's not surprising because it's freaking Scotty. He's the miracle worker. They named an entire uh, categorization of ship after him. <laughs> but, huh? And so they get kicked out of the zoo. And that's how the threat of the week is, is, is solved. We get kicked out of the zoo. Cute. And we'll be invited back in a few of their centuries. However long that is. The end. That really is it. So I found myself thinking... What would I do with this? And as always, I pose the question to you as well. So let's look at the bones of the episode. Advanced aliens. Let's leave the super advanced off of that. So we've got advanced aliens. They're capturing people in a zoo. Try not to repeat the cage. So what do we do with it? Now, again, we can't repeat the cage. Oh, my God, this really is the cage. I, that, that just clicked with me just now. It's the cage. Super advanced aliens, which have telepathic powers which our puny minds can barely comprehend. That's another thing. Tel telepathy is just such a thing in, in old Trek. In, excuse me, in classic Trek. It's really strange. No, that's old Trek. I'm right, I'm right. Because there's old Trek, modern Trek, and new Trek. And I haven't seen new Trek, and I love modern Trek, and I actually like old Trek quite a bit too. Go figure. But anyways, so how do we do this without doing the cage? My first thought is to try and make the story about whether or not the zoo is considered acceptable. The problem is, I can't think of a way to do that where some people wouldn't misinterpret it as some kind of agenda thing. Because no agenda is intended. I have no opinion on zoos, at least as well as the zoo, as long as the zoo is well kept and is actually taking into account the safety and habitability of its animals and is doing right by them and blah, blah, blah. As long as it's everything's above board, I don't care. So, I'm not anti-zoo. But what if some of these people are questioning that? Like, well, should we be considering capturing these aliens here? And you could even, hang on, let's go a different direction with that. Maybe there's a group of the, the huts who want to, the hyper huts, we'll call them the hyper huts. Maybe there's a group of the hyper huts who don't actually want to shut down the zoo per se, but the zoo is one of those bring people to us kind of things, which if you're paying attention, we've already seen with the uh, shore leaf planet, which I can't think of the name of the planet. We also see that idea in TNG with Barkley and the, the head aliens. Remember them? Anyways, <clears throat> so maybe the, the hyper huts here, they're very happy. <laughs> maybe the hyper huts have been bringing species to them to study them and advance them. And basically, this is their form of exploration. And some of the hyper huts are like, no, we want to get out there. And they're like, why? We can just bring stuff here. And so one of their ways of doing this is trying to shut down the zoo, which means they're trying to cause damage to it and maybe kill off some of the specimens, which, of course, then creates the threat problem for the crew. If you want to have a threat, we don't need that. But, you know, if, if the executives are pointing a gun at my head and then shooting 50 times in my face, then maybe we need to go ahead and add a threat. Slight exaggeration. They probably only shoot about five times. So we have the zoo getting shut down and the life support and the, the, the technology that's maintaining these biomes just shutting down. And so chaos is ensuing as the temperature is massively uh, equalizing and plants are dying and the sand is just overwhelming stuff. And there's a storm brewing and they're like, Oh God, how do we deal with this? And the, and you know, at some point the crew members managed to get a hold of someone Probably two. I know this is only a 22-minute episode, but if I was in an ideal world, I'd probably have at least one crew member, say, McCoy. 
get a hold of one of the people who's, who wants to keep the zoo intact. You know, one of the people who wants to bring things to them. And McCoy kind of starts to talk with this particular hyperhut and is like, yeah, no, I kind of agree with you. That would be nice to have, you know, as long as it's consensual. That's the catch. You're kidnapping people. It's like, you're right. Maybe, and maybe helps to convince the, the zoo administrator that they need to start reaching out to groups and aliens and, you know, asking permission to, to collect things and bring them there. Or maybe make it a temporary stay that they can study temporarily and maybe cycle things out. It, it keeps the, everything fresh after all. Meanwhile, someone else, probably Kirk, possibly Kirk and Spock. I don't know. I'm fine with it just being Kirk, though. Although, if I'm being honest, I'd probably give this to none of the big three because it's me. Um, Who would I give that to? I like the idea that Uhura, then, would be the one who gets a hold of the administrator. And I would probably give it to Scotty. No. No. I'm not sure who I'd get. Someone would get a hold with the people who are trying to shut the zoo down. And would completely agree with their idea of, yes, we need to get out there and we need to explore. We need to see and fee and feel and just do, right? I don't know. Who do you think would be a good pick for that? Whoever they are, they're like, yes, let's do it. And, you know, that person, whichever person it ends up being, effectively convinces them, maybe do it in a nonviolent manner. Maybe we should just sit down and talk. And then the two groups sit down and talk. And it's like, oh, hey, we can do both. Resolution interaction, social stuff, blah, 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 end of episode. I don't know. What do you all think? It probably is a terrible episode, but I did come up with it in the last 20 minutes, and it certainly can't be as bad as the episode proper. I do hope you've enjoyed my thoughts, such as they are. Looking forward to yours. I'll see you next time. Or should I say, 